0: and welcome to mixed dna podcast the podcast with two mixed race hosts who talk about any and everything each week we pick a topic do some research throw in our own thoughts opinions and experiences if applicable and share it with all of you our lovely listeners
1: i'm melissa and i'm vanessa this week we'll be discussing royalty as in those who rule kingdoms countries villages and people of course We'll look at the whys and the hows of royalty, and we'll look at the royals who went outside the box and married for love against the opposition of tradition, like Harry and Meghan, who, yes, we will be speaking about today. But there are lots of interesting royalty stories and families that we would also like to take a look at today because the British royals aren't the only ones who exist, even though watching the news you would think they are. We'll also touch upon race and discrimination, class, gender, sexuality, etc., pertaining to different monarchies around the world.
0: So let's start with those British royals so we can get them out of the way then. I'll start by saying two very obvious things. The family is very white. And second, the family is a little fucked up. But then again, which family isn't, right? So let's do a quick family tree. During the Victorian period, there was Queen Victoria, who died in 1901. She had nine children with husband Prince Albert, her first cousin. Five girls, four boys, with 17 years difference between the oldest, Victoria Adelaide, Marie Louise, and the youngest, Beatrice, Mary, Victoria, F- Fedore. From those nine children, the Queen's family would grow to 42 grandchildren, not all lived past childhood, and 91 great grandchildren, also not all who lived through childhood. I'm just going to skip ahead to the part of the family that we're most familiar with today, but that just shows you like how many, how many lines and how many people till we get to today, to the point of today. So, the current reigning Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, is the great-great-granddaughter of Queen Victoria, where I, which is where I started the lineage story. So, her parents were Queen Elizabeth I and George IV, and they had one daughter, Queen Margaret. Queen Elizabeth II's children are Prince Charles, next in line to the throne, Prince Anne. Prince Andrew, I believe his mother has now stripped him of his title due to his whole scandal. Absolutely disgusting. Good. Uh, um, and Prince Edward, who we seem to hear absolutely nothing about. So good for Edward.
1: <laughs> yeah, <it's> hiding. <laughs> There's been a lot of scandal in this family the past few years. So, of course, we're about to take a look at that. The most obvious starting point is Prince Harry's courtship and marriage to American actress Meghan Markle, making them the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. 18 months after being introduced by friends, Harry and Meghan announced their engagement to the world in November 2017 which came shortly after Kensington Palace announced to the world media to give to them, Meghan especially, some privacy. Up until this point, besides the media always up in their faces and business, the coverage of the couple was positive. In May 2018, we were graced with the interracial wedding of the year, which was pretty much a fairy tale with with the bride in custom Givenchy and a veil embroidered with flowers of the Commonwealth countries. Approximately 1.9 billion people around the world tuned in to watch the couples exchange their vows at St. George's Chapel in Windsor.
0: And then after that, everything just seemed to go downhill for the happy couple. The couple were in constant battle with the press. There were a lot of staff leaving their posts with rumors swirling that the Duchess was unbearable to work with. There were apparent rifts between Meghan and Kate, as well as rifts between the brothers, William and Harry. Meghan and Harry's living and office arrangements were out of the box for royal protocol. The birth of their first child and, of course, their second would also be done their way, not the traditional way as per palace protocol. And then things culminated in January 2020 when Harry and Meghan made their shocking announcement to step back from the royal duties, which apparently came as a blindside to Buckingham Palace. Since then, the couple has lost their titles, although not formally, and are making their own living, no longer using taxpayer dollars, and are currently residing in Santa Barbara, California. All this due to them not being permitted to fulfill their royal duties and represent the queen half and half. The queen has stated publicly that she is happy for the young family and loves them dearly.
1: I mean, we will never know the full truthful story about the couple's decision to step back from their royal positions. We can only know what we know from media speculation and from reading in between the lines of what both Harry and Meghan have said during interviews and public appearances since they stepped down. We know that even though she carried herself with poison class, that, to, that the transition into the royal family was not an easy one for Meghan. We know that even though she was in the spotlight during her time as an actress, she was overwhelmed by the type of media coverage and the paparazzi that surrounded her daily life as a duchess. We know that Harry was overwhelmed by emotion The way the paparazzi and the media were covering his life and that of his wife, the same way they did to his late mother, Princess Diana. We know that the scrutiny of the British people and the media were making life difficult for them both directly and indirectly. And there's the fact that Meghan's not British. She's American and she's a Hollywood actress. Two things that are on the opposite side of the spectrum to the life of the royals and probably the most obvious and biggest difference is that Meghan isn't white. She's mixed race.
0: Sad to say, but I really do think that was one of the biggest problems, and their solution was to walk away from the judgment and the hate and the chaos so they could live their lives as they see fit and raise their children away from that lifestyle. I applaud them for that. And for that, I really want to hug them. Like, I think they just (laughs) went through a whole lot of shit. Major tea spilled during the couple's on-air interview with the queen of the media, Oprah. There were reports that a member of the royal family was concerned about what the color of Archie... Um, Harry and Meghan's firstborn skin would be like. Although denied by the palace, it has since come to the forefront that this concern was brought up by Archie's grandfather, Harry's father, Prince Charles. It was reported by page six that the couple's engagement, it was reported by page six after the couple's engagement that Charles had asked Camilla, I wonder what the children will look like. With Camilla believing future children would be absolutely gorgeous, this is a racial microaggression, a subtle statement whether intentional or not, that communicates something negative. Other well-known overused examples of racial microaggression include, is that your real hair or do you speak English?
1: I mean, I'm pretty sure the kids would look good since they're not cousins bringing their cousins' cousins into the world. So I think they're safe with that. Microaggressions are one of the most common forms of discrimination and prejudice in today's world. With white people facing the fewest racial microaggressions, regardless of where they live, in a think piece for NBCNews.com, in a think piece for NBC News, Sarah E. Gaither points out that the critical race theory argues that race and racism are structural phenomenon used to maintain the race-based power or white leaders. The unique dynamics of multicultural people further complicates this phenomenon, as you cannot label a multiracial person as only one thing. Meghan Markle cannot only be Black, this is a concept of monoracism or the view that all of us need to fit nicely into one little box. The same boxes that are used to maintain power and status and in the case of this royal family, specifically the box of white. Sarah was born Omoba Aina in what is now Nigeria, was captured as a child and held in captivity until she was gifted to the British naval captain and taken to England. She was baptized with the same name, Sarah Forbes Bonetta, after the name of the ship that brought her to England. The change of her name was the start of her separation from her African roots. Starting in 1850, the date of their first meeting, Queen Victoria took her under her wing and by the time she was an adult, she held a place in Victorian high society and was somewhat of a celebrity at the time. Sarah's life was constantly scrutinized and her intelligence amazed everyone. Her ability to learn English, numbers, and music enlightened those who believed in intellectual inferiority of the African people. The queen approved a marriage for Sarah in 1862 to a Sierra Leone-born merchant, James Davies, whose parents had been freed from slavery. The wedding was a lavish affair with a large wedding party made up of both white and black ladies and gentlemen. Sarah and James named their firstborn daughter after Victoria and the queen was her godmother. Sarah died of tuberculosis and the Queen paid for Victoria's education at Cheltenham Ladies' College and stayed in touch with her throughout her life.
0: Definitely not the typical story of a Black woman living in Victorian Britain. Her life was something of a social experiment, with all her accomplishments observed and debated about. Sarah, although the first, was not the only ward, also known as the Queen's godchildren, that the Queen would acquire from different corners of the world, And while the Queen did take interest in each and every child, the children were in many respects poster children. We're not going to go into great detail about all of their stories, but we will post the article from time.com on our social accounts for those who are interested in and looking for more stories. Each and every one of them is very interesting, so please take a look. The last thing we're going to mention before we finally stop talking about the British monarchy is the Black Lives Matter movement. Harry and Meghan were both very vocal during the time of George Floyd's murder in the summer of 2020, but other members of the monarchy didn't say a peep. Throughout history, the royals have been accused of turning a blind eye, as with the story Vanessa just shared, enabling racism. Current head of the monarchy, Queen Elizabeth II, has never publicly acknowledged her ancestors' actions of slave trade and other implorable and unacceptable decisions. There have also been many comments from the Duke for. There have also been many comments from the late Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, over the years, including including telling the president of Nigeria, who was wearing his national clothing, he was told that he looked like he was ready for bed, or he compared Ethiopian art to that of something his children would bring back from school art lessons, or during a visit to China, told a British student that if he stayed too long, he would go home with slinty eyes, or oh, a visit to a Scottish electronics factory He said the messy fuse boxes looked as though they were put together by Indians. Many of these types of comments have gone without acknowledgement from the palace. Human rights activists say that by her majesty staying silent, she has an unwillingness to face up to past injustices, a lack of remorse and a lack of commitment to a multicultural Britain. So it's not a surprise that on Prince William and Kate's tour of the Caribbean earlier this year, there was a lot of controversy as they were out. And about on behalf of the Queen to strengthen Commonwealth ties. Residents of Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas were disputing land ownership, stolen land, and demand- demanding reparations for slavery. Since returning home, Prince William has made a statement via Twitter acknowledging the controversy, saying, I know that this tour has brought into even sharper focus questions about the past and the future. In Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas, that future is for the people to decide upon.
1: Anyway, Will the monarchy ever apologize? Who knows? Maybe Prince George will marry a mixed race person who actually stand the chance at one day ruling the nation. So maybe then things will come to light. There are currently 44 monarchies in the world today, 13 in Asia, 12 in Europe, 10 in North America, six in Oceania and three in Africa. There are no monarchies in South America, although, no, nope, there's no although. There are no monarchies in South America. Also important to note that of the 44 monarchies, there are only 29 monarchs as Queen Elizabeth II is queen of, 15 Commonwealth realms that were the British Empire. Most nations with a monarchy are constitutional. Most nations with a monarchy are a constitutional monarchy, meaning that the powers of the monarchy are restrained They are the head of state, but the head of government is an elected official by the nation's people. Countries with this type of monarchy include Sweden, Tonga, Malaysia, Samoa, and Norway. There are also absolute monarchies in which the monarchy exercises total power as the head of state, and they are the final authority, even though there may be other branches of government. Countries where you see this type of rule are the Vatican, Saudi Arabia, Oman, and Swaziland. I really think that constitutional monarchy, if any, should be the norm. Absolute monarchy from close-minded to one-minded people seems scary to me, and I don't think it ever works, really. We would just be going back in time. I mean, it's already hard enough that we see backwards pompous fools telling us the the ways of living when when they literally have no idea. How it is to be one of their people or how we get things done.
0: Another monarchy we'll take a look at is the Japanese monarchy where in 2021 Princess Mako married a commoner and left the royal family. Princess Mako and her then groom Kai Komuro, now her husband, had their wedding delayed for years due to controversy about public disapproval of the groom. The story of Mako and Kai and Meghan and Harry has many similarities and as you can see This also included mental stress on Mako. The Japanese monarchy, which is said to be one of the oldest in the world, is restricted to male bloodline. The current emperor, Emperor Narohito, has no sons but a daughter, Princess Aiko. Narohito's brother, Fumihito, known as the crown prince, has two daughters, Mako, who we just mentioned, and Princess Kako, and Prince Hisahito. Uh, I'm
1: glad I didn't read this one.
0: Norito's brother, Fumihito, known as the crown prince, has two daughters, Mako, who we just mentioned, Princess Kako, and Prince Hisahito. There are only three people in line for succession, Fumihito, Hisahito, currently 15 years old, and the current emperor's uncle, Prince Hitachi, currently 86 years old, who has no children.
1: The law that banned women from taking the throne only dates to the 19th century. Japan is very rich in tradition, but most important that the culture adapt to the ever-changing world. Japan scores low. Compared to many other developed nations in terms of gender inequality, there aren't many women in parliament. And they rank very low in terms of women in the labor force, although their reproductive health care and education for women are high.
0: In doing our research for this week's episode, we were curious about any other interracial royal couples besides Harry and Meghan, and surprisingly, there are some others that we never hear anything about, which is great for them, being able to keep their lives as private as possible. Prince, uh, Prince Maximilian of Lechtenstein, who is referred to as Prince Max, is fifth in line of succession. He married Angela Gisela Brown, an Afro-Panamanian fashion designer. Princess Angela was the first Afro-anything to marry into a reigning royal European family. There were some people who were shocked at the interracial marriage into the royal family, calling it an end of an era, but others showed much more support, including Prince Max's father, the current reigning prince, Hans Adam II. The couple have one son, Prince Alphonse Constantine, born in 2001, and this super cute little mixed kiddo is sixth in line of succession. Meghan Markle and Princess Angela have been compared to one another on many occasions, even Meghan stating that Princess Angela is one of her inspirations.
1: The House of Habsburg, and no, we're not talking about some unknown family from Game of Thrones, this is a real royal house, a German dynasty. Ferdinand Leopold Joseph, Count von Hasberg of Austria, wed Mary Nyanat Ring Machar, a Sudanese woman in 1999. The marriage was of course seen as controversial due to her socioeconomic class and her race. The then head of the house, Otto von Hausberg, gave the couple his blessing. The Count and Countess von Hasberg of Austria now have four lovely children, two girls and two boys. I wish we had more to share about this love marriage, but it is very difficult to find information about this couple.
0: The next royal marriage we're going to mention is from the kingdom of Sikkim from the eastern Himalayas, and they were ruled by the shoguls of the Nyong'al dynasty from 1642 to 1975. So the kingdom itself is no longer in power. The monarchy was abolished and Sikkim merged into India. But for the purpose of this episode, the story fits nicely. The 12th and last king of the kingdom, Paladin Nagamal, married 22-year-old American socialite Hope Cook in 1963. The couple reigned together as king and queen of Sikkim from 1963 to 1975, had two children and divorced in 1980 after Cook returned to New York with the children. The couple met while Cook was in Darjeeling for a summer trip. The king was a recent ruler, with two sons and a daughter, and he was 36 years old, almost twice her age. They were drawn to one another due to their similar isolated upbringings. Two years later, they announced their engagement, and the wedding was put on hold for almost a year as both astrologers in Sikkim and India warned that 1962 was an inauspicious year for marriage. They eventually married in a Buddhist monastery with 14 lamas presiding over the ceremony. Cook currently resides in Brooklyn and works as a writer, historian, and lecturer. She is 81 years old.
1: Next up, Prince Joachim of Denmark, who in 1995 married Alexandra Manley. Manly was born in Hong Kong and is of mixed Asian-European ancestry. Her father, Richard, was English-Chinese, and her mother, Krista, was of Iranian and Indian ancestry. The prince and Alexandra met in a private dinner in Hong Kong, where he was working for a Danish shipping company. Becoming the Countess of Fredericksburg, Alexandra gave up her career in marketing and renounced her British citizenship to become a Danish subject. Through their nine-year marriage, they welcomed two sons, their first grandson of the Queen, Prince Nikolai, and his younger brother, Prince Felix. The Countess was very popular with the Danish people, known for her fashion sense and her charity work, and she was dubbed the Diana of the North, being very active in the Youth Red Cross, the Danish Society of the Blind, UNICEF, and a single mother's advocacy group called Mother Help. Also like Princess Diana, she served as a UNICEF ambassador when she traveled to Thailand to visit HIV AIDS patients. The prince and Countess separated in 2005, the first divorce in the royal family since 1846.
0: A lot of these stories show that you actually can meet a prince out there in real life. They're out there. Just got to find them and make them fall in love with you. So (laughs) I should probably start working on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no pressure.
0: In 1961, King Hussein of Jordan married British Antoinette Gardner, who had converted to Islam prior to her marriage and earned the name Muna al-Hussein. Princess Muna was born in England and attended school in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, where she was a field hockey player. The couple met while she was working as a secretary assistant of the film set of Lawrence of Arabia, where the king had allowed his troops to work as extras on the film and he would occasionally visit to monitor the film's progress. The couple had four children, Abdullah, who is the current King of Jordan, Prince Faisal, and twin girls, Princess Aisha and Princess Zain. King Hussein and Princess Muna divorced in 1972, and she continues to work and live in Jordan, where she was once heavily involved in the development of nursing, founding the Princess Muna Scholarship Fund for Nursing and the Princess Muna College of Nursing and Allied Health Professions. I would also we- continue to live in Jordan if my son was the king.
1: yes. As would I, that would be wonderful. Get on that. (laughs) Come on Preston, find that woman royalty, find that queen. We mentioned earlier that there are no royal families in South America, but that doesn't mean that there are no South American royals out there. One example is Queen Maxima of the Netherlands who is Argentinian. And she is one of the most popular European royals. Queen Maxima was working in marketing when she met her now husband, King Willem Alexander, who was a prince at the time. She thought he was joking when he told her who he was, as he had only introduced himself as Alexander. The courtship and eventual marriage were controversial due to the involvement of Maxima's father, George Zoroguit, who was a cabinet minister during the National Reorganization Proge- Progress during the most recent Argentinian dictatorship. Her parents were not present at the wedding due to her father's role. Maxima proudly promotes the social integration of immigrants, LGBTQ rights, and financial inclusion. The Queen and King have three daughters, Princess Katharina, Alexia, and Ariana, who are first, second, and third in line of succession. She is not South American, but I wanted to touch briefly on the Bridgerton's Queen, Charlotte. Queen Charlotte was the wife of English King George III from 1738 to 1820, and she was directly descended from Margarita de Castro e Sousa, which was a Black branch of the Portuguese royal house. I find this very interesting in that maybe way back when there were actually more white passing royals than people were even aware of. Definitely something to think about. And I'm glad Shondaland chose to add Queen Charlotte to to the Bridgerton world. She's a great character who's apparently getting her own spinoff in the near future. I'm definitely looking forward to that.
0: I love me some Queen Charlotte, too, and can't wait to see what they come up with for her spinoff. I'm sure it'll be great. Bridgerton aside, I find it hard to wrap my head around the idea of royalty, that your family is a superpower because of a war battle or trade that happened like a million hundred thousand years ago in a time where the moral compass of society is so much different than the one that exists today. And the rules and the norms that your family had in power back then no longer hold up today. I think royal families should step down and keep the wealth that they already have so they can survive, obviously, but just be regular citizens in their own homelands. There used to be a TV show that I really enjoyed. Of course, it was canceled, just like every TV show I really enjoy. Um, But it was called The Royals, and it was a fictional drama that ran for four seasons from 2015 to 2018, and it was on E!, and it starred Elizabeth Hurley as Queen Helena Henstridge. Um, in a nutshell, the series is about a very fictional British royal family. It was a while ago, but there was a point in the series where maybe near the end, but the public wanted the British family to step down and they were going to vote on it. Um, same way you would do like a normal vote for like president or prime minister or whatever. Because really... In that show specifically, they just really didn't see the point in the family using up all their taxpayer dollars to support a family that wasn't really doing anything like for the country. So in a way, that's kind of how I see the royals today. I mean, I don't live in Britain specifically. I know Canada is a Commonwealth country, but like I don't I don't really see the royal the point of the royals or the queen or Me
1: neither. No, I don't either. But they're so intertwined in everything, especially the British royals, that I think it might take a long time for them to dissipate into society. Um I mean I i like royalty in movies and in shows. Those are awesome and they have a lot of, you know, knowledge that you can learn from. It takes you to a different place. But yeah, like you said, I don't really think there needs to be any. They are just more and more people who are out of touch with reality because they have so much and they never live the levels or on the same lines of their people. They ha- they have absolutely no idea. But yeah, like I said, I think we're better off.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mixed DNA Podcast. And remember to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now. Reach out to us to chat or share your opinion on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Mixed DNA Podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Bye.
1: Bye.